So thank you, Chris, for leading us off so mindfully, so well this morning. As we start our birthday recognition of each other, sometimes on birthdays we focus on what we're going to get. I know that's what I focus on my birthday. So on Wellspring's birthday here, actually, what I want to do is, is focus on actually what you've given me. I want to focus on what you've given me. You have given me the opportunity, which is one of the most important things in life, to do meaningful work. The last five and a half years that I've been here at Wellsprings, in the last four years since we have launched, have been the most spiritually rich years of my life. I want you to hear that. The most spiritually rich years of my life has been this time that I have been serving Wellsprings. Not all of that has to do with Wellsprings. But it is the life that Wellsprings calls me to, and I believe calls all of us to, through our beliefs and values that give me the capacity of mind and spirit to be awake and aware in this life. It is by living the life that we all aspire to live here that I have experienced the greatest and most sustainable period of happiness of my 40 years on this earth. And so I very much want to thank you this day. And give you my gratitude. Now, when I say the happiest, I very explicitly do not mean the easiest. My definition of happiness is by a guy named Tal Ben-Shahar. And I used this a few years ago in a message series called How to Be Happy. And I'm going to be reprising some of those themes next month when I start my next message series, How to Be Happy Part 2. Because it's a lifelong journey. His understanding of happiness is this. It is pleasure plus purpose. The ability to enjoy life and also find meaning in life. And so I mean this. The last five and a half years and the last four since we've launched have not been the easiest in my life. But ease does not equal happiness in my experience. There have certainly been challenges here this past year. Challenges here at Wellsprings. In the last year, we have had a number of things that I don't want to call a perfect storm because that is a cliche. There's just been a confluence of events that have happened here. The first is that we are all living in and through and with the challenges of this great, really ungreat, <laughs> uncool, prolonged recession. The second is at the same time in this last year or so, we have seen by design, it was never going to go on forever, we have seen that our initial funding, our initial capitalization, if you will, has largely come to a close. And this has happened at a time that a third thing has happened, which is that we are at the size when most American spiritual communities, I'm talking 75, 80, 85, by some counts, even 90% stop growing. There is the magical number in understanding American spiritual communities of 150. Most spiritual communities get to 150, 150 in adult membership or in attendance on Sunday morning, and they just stop. For a whole variety of conscious and unconscious reasons has to do with the way Communities organize each other. They just cut out. So at the time of this recession, at the time of our initial funding coming to a close, we've also hit, and by the way, surpassed that magical number of 150 adults. Those things have happened at the same time and made for a challenging year here at Wellsprings. And so everyone here on staff, and some of you know this already, 
understood that we needed to take pay cuts. We have responded to this in the healthy and right way such that we did not have to let anyone go. And we have made the necessary sacrifices that we need to make so that Wellsprings can be healthy. But next to all those challenges, there also is the truth of who we are, which is that in our religious movements, in Unitarian Universalism of the last 20 years, there have been 200 or so, maybe 220 new congregations in that time. Wellsprings has had the fastest rate of growth of any of those 200 congregations. And let me put a little bit more into perspective for you, which is that of all those 200 congregations, there was not one that started, began with fewer than 100 members that has risen to over 200 adult members. Four years ago, we started with, as Chris said, I think 10 committed members by that point maybe 20, we are now over 170 and well on our way to 200. So I just wanted to give you a little of the context of the numbers of what's going on here because that tells the story, but it certainly doesn't tell all of the story. See, numbers and focusing on numbers can become a form of idol worship. We can say, oh, look, our numbers are so great. They are so, you know, uh, beyond what we're normally seeing growth in our denomination. And that's great, but it's only part of the story. I read a long time ago, and I can't even remember who said it, that challenging times, challenging times, they don't produce character. They reveal the character that we already have and let it shine under difficult circumstances. And let me tell you, that is what makes me most proud today. It is not that our numbers are so strong in so many ways within our denomination. It is this, that over this past year of challenging times, I believe the essential character of Wellsprings has been revealed. Most in this, in this one thing. I have been in other spiritual communities that have faced challenging times. Almost every church, synagogue, mosque, whatever it is, faces a moment in their growth when it is seemingly the most difficult. And I have to tell you what makes me proud is we did not give in to our scarcity impulses. We did not panic because so many spiritual communities do this. You did not see... Every single Sunday here, a bake sale to raise more money for Wellsprings. You did not hear us or experience us arm-twisting each other, saying if we could just wring a little bit more out of you, if we just twist you a little bit more with a little more guilt and a little more fear, well, you know what, then we'll be okay. You did not, hopefully if you are new especially in this last year, feel what too many spiritual communities do in America. Well, we need to grow. Why do we need to grow? Because new people are going to give us their money. There is nothing that drives seekers and people hungering for spiritual community away more than that, than thinking that the established members of the spiritual community see one thing magically imprinted on their forehead, which is a dollar sign. We have not given in to our scarcity impulses, as so many spiritual communities do through this difficult time. How we are finding our way through this moment in Wellsprings, this necessary moment of our growth, this necessary moment of birth pains, of creation pains, we have followed through on our mission to be a community charged full with the charge of the soul. We have completed just in the last year our whole lives a values-based sexuality education program for kids who need it most, those younger teens to recognize in their lives what difference the liberal spiritual values of respect for self and other and the intentional quality of relationship in respect of oneself and for another. 
what these differences can make in life. We have kept up our relationship with the clinic. So many communities would have just sacrificed that, said we have to take care of only ourselves. We're going to stop caring about the outside world. We did not do that. We have maintained two chargeful worship services, even if at first this early service didn't quite take off with the size that we would have wanted to. But now we're doing okay. We have rolled out to the larger community. I know some of you shared it with people in places like Lebanon and Israel and Russia. Our 30 days of gratitude practice, then in its first month on the earth, I think got something like 5,500 page views in that month. We are beginning now the start of an addictions and recovery ministry to start to reach into the hearts of some people in our community who are most wounded. We have maintained our high-quality retreats for opportunities for people to go deeper. And, of course, our small groups, our springboards, our small groups for spiritual growth. We are getting to the other side of this challenge because we are recognizing what it takes to truly become ourselves. That is not giving into scarcity. That is practicing abundance in the best way that we know how, which is living by our mission. So I want to say, and this is part of my happiness that I feel, is that it is a privilege for me to be here, and I hope for you to be here during these challenging times of Wellsprings. We read about it over and over again in whatever forms of history class we have ever taken. We hear names like the Greatest Generation or Valley Forge, and yes, the stakes were a little bit higher in those circumstances than they are here at Wellsprings, but the principle is the same. The only ways that great things came into being was by facing their birth pains, by knowing that the cost of creation is often discomfort and being willing to face that in such a way so that our essential character does reveal itself, not shying away from difficulties. And that's why Valley Forge, before it was the amazing, beautiful park, of course, was the site of the founding of the Republic because there, those people in that continental army understood what it would take to win the battles of their times. So, What I want to say is even beyond a privilege, it's a blessing that we, and by we, you, those of you who are here today and those of you especially who consider this place and these people to be your spiritual community, we are the ones who at this moment will be creating the future for Wellsprings. It is in our hands. There are no other hands. We are the hands who have been called to this work in this place in this time. And I believe it is about so much more than just us and the future growth of Wellsprings. I believe that we are creating now in this world, in this place, in this time, the kind of spiritual communities that will thrive in the future. The kinds of spiritual communities that do not promise from that fundamentalist allure, that perspective of removing all doubt and promising all clarity of all theological matters and all intellectual matters, everything fits in there. We're not that kind of place. Rather, our clarity comes from the necessity of gathering together to build our spirits and grow our souls. A universalist, not from this tradition, but a guy named Karl Rahner, who was a Jesuit priest, very much a universalist, very much a progressive, said that our deepest need, the mind's deepest need, is not for answers. Our minds, and I would also add our heart's deepest need, is for communion. It is in that primordial urge, as Emerson said, to have an original relationship with this universe, to connect 
that is our primary human need and spiritual motivation. In this birthday week, I've been spending a lot of time with reading. Some of the folks who helped me get going in my ministry, I always think it's great in a birthday week to focus on personal and institutional and spiritual origins. And so I was spending a lot of time this past week with Henry David, with Thoreau, one of our greatest spiritual teachers in our tradition. And he talked about this different way of experiencing spirituality, which is not about getting all the answers and stopping there, but about looking for the fuel that fuels our inner fire to continue to grow through this life. Thoreau said this over 150 years ago. He said, at first, every sacred book successively has been accepted in that faith in that time that it was to be the final resting place of the sojourning and traveling soul. But after all, it turned out to be a caravan which supplied refreshment to the travelers and directed them further on their way. What he's saying is that spirituality is not about getting the final word, having the final word on existence. If you think you want to have the final word, I would try and, and encourage you to think that that's a wrong motivation, that's a wrong impulse. And if you're really still insistent about that, I would say, do you really want to be like George Costanza? Got some Seinfeld here, Seinfeld fans here, I could tell. There was this particular episode of Seinfeld in which George Costanza wanted to have the last word after leaving the room. He wanted to have the last word, the last joke, the last comeback, the last zinger, so that he could feel justified and he could say, that's it, good night everybody, I'm out of here. That would be his final reason for having the last word, but we recognize what an immature impulse that is. What a truly immature impulse that is to want our last words to be the final last words. What we're after here is not final words. We are after the words that help. We are after the words that care. We are after the experiences and in the cause of the experiences that, as Thoreau said, give us fuel to live the journey of our lives with depth and meaning. Our DNA talks about that each of us yearns for connection with each other and with the sacred. That is the connection to back and back and back we come and return here every week to get fuel for that journey. Because spiritual community is not a theory. We know that. Spiritual community is not about what we think. It's not about a thought process. It is about the regular opportunity. I would also say in keeping with our DNA, the regular practice to practice connecting and connecting and connecting. To say to ourselves, and I would ask yourself in this question right here and right now, that as long as we are living, we might always be connecting. It is so easy in this place and time and in our lives to live a superficial existence to numb ourselves to the pain or the doubt or the uncertainty by thinking only frivolous thoughts and acting only in frivolous ways. But we know ultimately none of us would be here if that was a sufficient way for us to live. So we come back and back and back again week after week to connect 
try and find that spark of the divine, to try and live in ways, like Emerson said, of that original relationship with the universe. It is never finished and never final, this work. Remember a book I read probably five, six years ago with a kind of pop psychology title? Still an excellent book. It said, get out of your mind and into your life. The point of that writer was this is that all of the classical virtues, as he called them, kindness, humility, courage, faith, we do not live these things as if we could say, one day, we've been living faithfully for five years, we've been living courageously for three, I'm done with that. I can stop aspiring to courage. I can stop trying to live in faith that I am going to continue to grow. We recognize that this path is never final, never finished, perhaps even we might say eternal in dimension. It has a timeless quality, this deep desire for connection, because we cannot rest on just what has happened. We must ask ourselves daily in small, meaningful ways, how am I connecting here while I am living? We know that it is this kind of devotion to these kinds of questions that will awaken us day after day after day and move us further down the path and away from the frivolous ways of being or the superficial ways of acting or putting on the false face of pretending that we always at every time and every moment of our lives have everything under control. That is a lie about who we are. It is this kind of devotion not an emotional or religious or any other form of dogma that will release us into the deepest parts of our life. Thoreau again, and probably my favorite quote of his, when it was discovered by some in his family that he had started to grow spiritually from reading the words of the Buddha, he knew that this would be a controversial thing that he had stepped outside of what was prescribed for him. And he said, I know that some will have hard thoughts of me when they hear their Christ named beside my Buddha. Yet I am certain that they should love their Christ more than my Buddha, for love is the main thing. For love is the main thing. This calls to mind that ancient story that perhaps some of you have heard in other venues of the blind men and the elephant, an ancient Hindu story talking about trying to get to the nature of ultimate reality. And it is said that a great guru, while hearing people arguing of this is God, this isn't God, brought together a number of blind men and set them on an elephant and asked them, each touching a different part of that elephant, what is an elephant like? One man who grabbed the big leg said, it is so large, this reality of the elephant, that I can barely get my hands around it. Another who grabbed the tusk said, no, it is smooth and comes to a point. And the other who said, well, I grabbed this trunk and it is long, but it's not smooth and comes to a point. It's got two holes on the end of it. The guru then said, each of you is right. But each of you is always wrong in your insistence that you are only right. It is love, I believe, most profoundly that calls us to connect with our version of the elephant, trying to understand what ultimate reality, what deepest reality really is for us. 
This is my understanding of how universalism can sound today. I'm going to read you these lyrics, and I hope at some point the band can do this one. It's going to require a lot of breath work. Some of you might know this song by Mason Jennings, I Love You and Buddha Too. Played it for some of you. I'm just going to try and see if I can recite it from memory, but I got the lyrics here because I'll probably forget. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you and Buddha too. Rama, Krishna, Gurudev, Daude Ching, and Mohammed. Why do some people say that there is just one way to love you, God, and come to you? We are all a part of you. You are unnameable. You are unknowable. All we have is metaphor. That's what time and space are for. Is the universe your thought? You are and you are not. You are many. You are one. Ever ending. Just begun. And then he sings and says, all right. Please repeat back to me, all right. All right. All right. Now you got the song there. Go and listen to it. Mason Jennings will appreciate very much that you downloaded it. You can also find it on YouTube. See, to those who demand doctrine, who demand certainly who insist that their part of the elephant, their bite of the elephant, if you will, is the only real part, a song like this will be nonsensical. It will be even offensive. But for those of us who accept that reality is never finished and creation is always ongoing and it is much in our midst that it was long ago or far away or will be in the future, that phrase, ever-ending, just begun... That life is as much here today for us and for you and for each one of us as it was at any other time in our history. And that the invitation is here saying this, perhaps shouting at us, perhaps whispering to us, connect, connect, connect. You can say it a little differently as I did a couple Christmas Eves ago, John Lennon's words. Limitless, undying love that shines around me like a million suns. It calls me on and on across the universe. This birthday here at Wellsprings, after now just four of them, calls us on and on across the universe. I don't know what your wishes were when you blow out your candle to begin the service. I know what mine was. And in time, if you want to tell it to me, I'm, I'm you know, superstitious about this kind of stuff. Don't tell me today, because I think they'll just violate it. It'll just go away, you know. Maybe tell me in time. But I think a natural question for us all here today, regardless of what your wish was, is to ask, what can we do So that the call to go on and on here at Wellsprings and the call to connect, it does shine and burn most brightly in each and every one of our lives this day. Now, I'm not after the fanciful stuff and I'm not after the wild stuff. My mentor in ministry, Forest Church, now dead about 17 months. He said, rather than living life with wishful thinking, he said instead... We should practice thoughtful wishes, knowing what our gifts are, sharing them to the best of our ability. My wish today, even beyond the one that I had with the candle, because that was a different one than I planned. My wish is that the call of that limitless undying love, that call to connect with our lives, that it will be as strong as as it can be here at Wellsprings. And I'm going to ask those of you who can 
right now to consider to consider a particular gift. By the way, for those of you who are not yet members of Wellsprings or still come to know us, this is not for you today. This is talking about who we are right now, and we want to share this with all of you just to let you know how we're going to go forward. But this is about us. This is about people who know that we are stakeholders in the health and the growth of Wellsprings. I referred before to the fact that Wellsprings was born into a situation of abundance, that we received so much support to help us grow, and we have that initial capitalization. If you've been around here for a few months, you have heard something that we're calling the Recharge Campaign. It is an opportunity to help give to Wellsprings so that we build again that strong foundation and can accelerate not our numerical growth, although that will be an outcome, but accelerate the strength with which we can give ourselves to our mission of living lives charged full with the charge of the soul. I'm going to ask you to show that uh, graphic, if you would. That's our powering up battery. Our internal goal with the recharge campaign is $100,000. We are already in what we called the quiet phase of the campaign, the people who are part of the recharge campaign team. We've raised already over $50,000. We're halfway to our goal. And so I, what I want to ask you is that those of you who can, and I mean this, those of you who are able to, on top of your regular giving to Wellsprings, to consider being a part of this recharge campaign to help us continue to grow deeper and achieve our mission more effectively. Now, we do this as we do all matters of money and giving here at Wellsprings, not as an episode or an action of sad money. Sad money is all based on guilt. Sad money is all based on a tax you got to pay. Sad money is all based on obligation. This, like everything else at Wellsprings, is about happy money. It is about your desire and also your ability to help give in such a way that it does not cost you. I'm not talking cost you in terms of money. I'm talking cost you in terms of feeling like, oh, I have to. I'm going to give, but I'm going to feel resentful about it. That's sad money. We don't want those kinds of gives. We do not work with shame or guilt as we talk about giving here at Wellsprings. And so I mean this today. If you are giving all that you can financially already to Wellsprings, and there's no way possible for you to participate in this recharge campaign, thank you. You know your financial circumstances better than anyone else in this room. There is no have to here for either participating or not participating. If you give, you will not get here seating right up front. You will not get a quicker or less quick call back from me if you're in a moment of dire crisis. Well, I better go through that recharge campaign list and say who gave to see if maybe they get a call back in a half hour or they get a call back in... Eh, by the end of the week. That's not how I operate. That's not how we, we operate here. We know that the principle of money and happiness is this. It's been demonstrated over and over and over again in all kinds of social scientific studies that money used to buy stuff, things, toys, gadgets, does not make us happier. 
Not in a sustainable way. It gives us pleasure, perhaps. But money used to enlarge our sense of our life's experiences actually can make us grow in happiness. That is what the Recharge Campaign is for, to help us enlarge and deepen our sense of the kinds of experiences that we can share here at Wellsprings together. All of our gifts, Recharge Campaign, regular giving, the giving to the clinic, all of those things deepen the charge of the soul here at Wellsprings. And I want to thank you for all of the ways that you have given and are giving. If you believe that you may be able to participate in the recharge campaign, Chris and Carl, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands right now. They're on our team for this recharge campaign. Robin, you just came in the back there. Talk with these folks. By the way, talking with them does not mean any commitment. <laughs> if you have questions about this recharge campaign, see these folks after the service today, share some cake together. Find out a little bit more about what Recharge is all about. So I talked about what you won't be buying yourself if you're able to give to this campaign. But I want to talk about right now what you will be giving and what you will be sharing. You will get a stronger form of Wellsprings now and in the future. When inevitably, and I do mean inevitably, the laws of this land finally conform to the laws of people's hearts, and marriage equality is the law of the land for everyone, Wellsprings will be there in this moment as we have been all throughout, recognizing the integrity of all adult human loves. And we will be as strong in that moment as we are right now. What you will get is a wellsprings that is as strong when you or someone you know or the people you have not met yet, when the bottom falls out from underneath their lives and they need a place to go in which they do not have to project a face of competence when they feel incompetent or they feel painful and people are in need, wellsprings will be there as strong as it can possibly be. That's what this recharge campaign is for. When new babies are born... When new life makes itself known and when deaths happen as well. For every birth, for every death, for every sunny day in our lives and for every dark night of the soul. The reason that I am inviting you to give if you are able this morning is this. Is we want Wellsprings to be as strong as it can be in the moments when we and the people we don't know yet need us the most. That is the only reason to give. Our gifts will help us be a stronger force for compassion and justice in this world. A deeper source for awakening in this world. We will be a congregation better equipped to live out our mission, to be charged full with the charge of the soul in this world. And I wouldn't be talking about the recharge campaign or indeed even celebrating our birthday today because that's the deeper thing if I didn't believe in these final words of Thoreau that I'm going to share with you. He said that goodness is the only investment in life that never fails. 
It is the belief, my firm conviction, that the goodness of our mission is a good thing not just for us, but for the world. That it is this kind of spirituality that does not promise any answers and promises ultimately to leave no one out. It is this kind of goodness that will not fail us. So I want to thank you, finally, for all of your investments in Wellsprings. The small stuff, the large stuff, and everywhere in between. This is only our fourth birthday. There will be many more to come and so many more things to celebrate. But this day, and this birthday done right, and live mindfully and connected with, it will make the days in front of us burn brightly. Amen. And may you live in blessing. Let's pray together. Source of being, may we have that capacity of mind, heart, and spirit to celebrate. Celebrate this day. Celebrate all that we have done. Celebrate the capacity of awakening that is right here and right now. And celebrate the day that is to come. To know that we have been given a blessed opportunity to be here in this moment. And to be among those who will create the future here in this spiritual community. May we know that this blessing requires our gladness. This blessing requires, yes, our work. This blessing requires that we awaken. In that awakening, truly, great things are already in our hands. Great things we will share and great things we will receive in that future yet to be. Amen.